Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus. God is faithful for 
And good morning. It is good to see you on this first Sunday in June, June the 7th. And uh, today is uh, anniversary day for me and for our church because this is the 19th year that we've been together. Of course, I feel like the, the fellow that um, had his anniversary but didn't get to see his wife and carry out to eat and, and have a nice uh, anniversary dinner and date because we can't be together just yet. But hopefully, hopefully that's going to change and we're going to be able to kind of start getting back together again. So on that news, our plan right now and our deacons are going to be meeting following the, the worship service and we're going to go through all of the information, the data, the things that the governor's office has sent us and and then what uh, has happened in our community. We're going to look at all those things and then kind of uh, preferably uh, make a wise decision on what the Lord uh, would have us to do. But we have laid out an initial soft opening for Father's Day, June the 21st. And what that means, uh, if we're able to do that, means that we won't have Sunday school, we won't have any uh, children's activities or anything like that. We'll just simply uh, be here together. We'll start at 10 a.m. sharp, so you'll need to get here uh, about 9.30 and uh, you will try to follow the social uh, distancing guidelines uh, that we've set out, that, that the governor's set out for us uh, as churches uh, as best you can. Sit with your families, uh, sit in your groups. We've already been working on spacing out the seats in the sanctuary, and uh, we're going to then have a worship time together. We're going to do our best to hold that under an hour. We are going to take the, the Lord's Supper. You'll be given a self-contained individual Lord's Supper packet when you come in that has the juice and the cracker in it, and then we'll uh, do the Lord's Supper. A little bit different than we normally do it, but yet it'll still represent all the things that we know that it represents, and it still will speak to our heart as we have communion, not only together, but with our Lord and Savior. But uh, that's the initial thinking for the 21st. Now, beyond that, uh, we'll let you know uh, what uh, the deacons decide and what uh, we have planned. So be in prayer for the guys later that are going to be meeting and uh, all the things that need to be done. There's lots of things that we need to try to uh, get our arms around. We've got uh, election for new officers and, and committees and those kinds of things coming up in July. We've got uh, some deacons rotating off. Some deacons are going to be rotating on. Lots of things that are going on. So we covet your prayers as we kind of go through a time that, that we need to be together, but we can't actually be together like we need to be uh, because of the concerns of uh, COVID virus. We do want to say this morning that uh, our prayers are lifted up for our nation. I know that, uh, like me, you've been praying this week because of the things that have been going on throughout our nation. We are uh, seeing uh, a lot of hurt and we are seeing a lot of uh, confusion and uh, bewilderment I think in our cities we, we, we have seen violence and uh, I want this morning for us to uh, just be in prayer for those who are in leadership uh, for those who've been uh, adversely affected by the things that have happened this week and then as Christians what can we do to minister and show the grace of God uh, to, to our communities and, and to our nation. So I want us to be in prayer for that. Also, if you uh, need to uh, uh, give your tithe and offering and you're wanting to do that, 
You can do that online. Uh, that's the easiest way to do it. Just go to alamofirstbaptist.com, go to the e-given tab. You can do it. You can set it up there. That's real easy. You could also mail it in, P.O. Box 241, uh, Alamo, Tennessee, 38001, or call, text us, let us know. We'll come by. We'll get here. You can drop it off during the week. Whatever works best for you, we'll help you do that. I know many of you have been very faithful. We appreciate that, uh, and we just uh, we thank you for your faithfulness. But we're going to continue on in our worship. We're going to open with a word of prayer. Let's remember these things we've already mentioned to pray for, uh, and uh, let's... Be ready for Jesus to speak to us today as we worship and hear his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. And this morning, we do want to lift up our nation. It's been a hard week this week. Uh, this, this week has seen a lot of uh, division in our nation where uh, there has been uh, violence and uh, just hurt and confusion and, and chaos. Lord, we know that you are a God that, that works through things that sometimes we don't understand. Much of what we've been studying in the book, Habakkuk, is, is about God when you work in ways that, that we don't understand, in ways that maybe we can't uh, or wouldn't ask for, but yet, God, you are doing a mighty thing. And Lord, we pray that as a church, we're sensitive to what your will, your work, and, and your want is. And that, Lord, we also can be there to show grace and to show your love and your goodness and help uh, bring healing where healing is needed. Lord, we pray for all those that have been affected. We pray for our, those that are in law enforcement and the spotlight that's been put on them. And Lord, the struggles that, uh, that uh, they have and... Lord, just uh, the difficulty of trying to be uh, responsible and good and a very difficult job. And Lord, we pray for uh, uh, our uh, minority community, our Afro-American community that, that Lord, feels uh, that uh, life has not been right or fair and there's hurt there. And Lord, as a church, we're sensitive to, to those needs and we're sensitive to those feelings. And, and Lord, we pray that just as you were a bridge uh, in a broken world uh, to a holy God, that we can be a bridge in this broken world to a better way, uh, to a life that's found living in you, Lord Jesus. Because, Lord, there is nothing uh, greater that we need than you, Jesus, to be our Lord and Savior. And, and so, Lord, help the church, help your children of faith uh, be that which bridges the gap between uh, what's going on in our nation and what is hurting. Well, Lord, we know as we look back through time and history, it's been out of these times in nations that revival has come. And we pledge and commit ourselves to praying, Lord, for revival. We pray, Lord, for uh, healing to come to our land. But we recognize, too, that we must humble ourselves before you and seek your face and know then, God, that when we truly, honestly do that, then and only then will you begin to do the things that we're praying for. Lord, we thank you for continuing to watch over us as a church. Help us make wise decisions as we move forward. Help us to keep not only our people safe, but Lord, our community safe. And Lord, to uh, continue to, to do what we can to share the gospel uh, to a lost and broken world. Thank you for the tithes and gifts and offerings that have been sent in and given. Lord, we thank you for uh, blessing us 
and the way that you have. Bless the service today, Lord. Touch our hearts through the music and through your word. And all these things, Jesus, we give you in your holy name. Amen.
that's our prayer this morning that uh, you would take our hearts and our minds and our will and that you would transform it conform it to your will lord help us to to uh, do as jesus says he says if we wanted to be his disciples that we must first deny ourselves take up our cross daily and follow him and lord i pray that you'd help us to see that that the, the cross is an instrument of death it's an instrument uh for dying and I, every day christians we need to to lift that up we need to, to choose that we're going to deny what we want and to, to pursue what you want for our life, Lord, for what you want for our world. And, Lord, uh, if we're not doing that, we're not living right. So I pray you help us again just to uh, do your will in our lives and to resist what uh, we want, what everyone else wants, but just to try to pursue your will alone, Lord. We love you. We ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you again, Grace Team. I appreciate you again all the hard work that you guys have been doing for these weeks that we've been out and you've made the commitment to be here. Take your Bible and open to Habakkuk. Hopefully you know where that little book is at now in the Old Testament. This will be the third Sunday that we have been in this little book and it'll be the last Sunday because it's three chapters and we're going to finish it up today. We've been in a series that we have called 
when our faith is about to fail. And what we have talked about in the first two chapters, chapter one, we said, you know, there comes a time maybe in our life where we feel like God has let us down. Maybe God has disappointed us in what we thought he needed to do or should do or what, he, what we wanted him to do. Uh, maybe in the way that he answered our prayer or maybe he didn't answer the prayer. He has told us to wait uh, before uh, doing something that we've been praying about and we get to that point where we are just disappointed in God. We've all been there at some point in time or another where uh, God just hasn't lived up maybe to our faith expectations. Then in chapter 2 we talked about when we disagree with God and that's when our disappointments really turn in kind of an argument. We began to want to debate God. We disagree with Him. Maybe with something that He did do or didn't do uh, again and we struggle through that and that's really kind of what we have found in this Old Testament prophet Habakkuk that this book is read like his journal. It's, it's, it's been his struggle in his faith with God where he's at with what God is uh, done or not done in his life. Well, we come to chapter 3, and we're going to find that Habakkuk ends up in a place where we all want to be. And what we're going to call this morning, and the title is, A Renewed Devotion to God. Now, there's 19 verses in this chapter, and I was trying to figure out where we could kind of cut it out. But uh, the truth is, it, we really need to read through all of it because uh, it, it's like, uh, it, it's actually a song. And uh, it's, it, it needs to be heard in its entirety uh, for us to kind of understand what the prophet is doing here as he's pouring out uh, his heart to us. So keep in mind this is a song, it's a prayer that's been set to music and sung. And the Hebrew people would sing this song uh, years later and it would be a song of revival, a song of a renewed devotion to God. So let's begin in verse 1. Let's read all of it. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Siganoeth, a O Lord, I've heard the reports of you and your works. O Lord, do I fear in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from His hand, and there, was, and there He veiled His power. Before Him went pestilence, and plague followed at His heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways, and I saw the tents of cushion and affliction, the curtains of the, mount, of the lands of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers? Or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on the chariots of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with the rivers. The mountains saw you and withered. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hand on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place. And at the lights of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear, 
You march through the earth in fury. You thrashed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, lay him bare from thigh to neck. Selah. You pierced with his own arrows the head of his warrior. You came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I heard and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Now just stop right there for just a moment. Remember what we said? This whole book is about how Habakkuk has been disappointed in God because God is going to use an evil people to discipline his people, the, uh, the people of Judah. He's going to discipline them because of their rebellion and wickedness uh, and evil of heart. And so Habakkuk now has come to a place. He says, all right, I accept your will, God. I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people, uh, to come upon people who invade us. Now notice in verse 17 and the remaining, the change in the tenor as Habakkuk now rejoices in the Lord. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the, in the fields yield no food, the flock be cut from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And then we're told to the choir master with string instrument. It opens up there in verse 1. This is a prayer. And there in verse 19, Habakkuk says, you know what? Put this prayer to song. We need to sing it in remembrance. Because it is a renewed devotion to God. You know, with the things that's happened this week, let me ask you a question. What's your worldview for the future? What's your worldview? As you look out from where we're at today and where we're going, and then particularly as, as we look forward as Americans, what's your worldview? What, what's your expectation? What's your ideology? What is it that, that you want and, and, and hope for for our nation, and for our world. I don't have to tell you that we are living in a fractured time. We are living in a divided, divisive time. I've been reading a book, started reading it this week, uh, Dr. Uh, Al Mohler from Southern Seminary, the president of Southern Seminary. He wrote a book called The Gathering Storm. It's very really interesting. It's a fascinating book. He goes back and he looks at the history of secularism, and he traces out how it came into Europe and how Europe, which was a Christian uh, land uh, at one time and just uh, was a land that, that really was adherent to the Christian faith, had changed so dramatically into a, a land that today you would have to say is truly a secular-minded uh, place. It's, it, you don't find Christianity the dominant voice that it once was in, in the European uh, world 
you just go to Europe and you'll see all the old great cathedrals. You'll see where Christianity was the dominant thing for a long period of time. Well, something changed, something happened. And he traces out how secularism moved in. Now, you might say, well, what's that word secularism? Uh, that word secularism, as he defines it, is basically this. What is the truth that binds us? What is the truth that governs us? And what he says is, you know, there was a day, there was a time in which for Europe, the governing uh, guidance for living, uh, what, what basically defined moral or morality or law was, well, what the Word of God said. That was the, that was the thing that binded the people. Secularism moved in. And uh, basically, that's what man says. Uh, that's what community says. That's what uh, a majority says is the binding truth. Now, the problem, he points out, uh, and I think other, uh, those that study culture and theology and, and, and the like, would tell you that the problem with, with secularism as a governing uh, dominant voice is that morality is always changing. It's kind of whatever is in fad, whatever is in vogue, whatever is the popular opinion, well, that's the thing that binds. And so what you find is that uh, uh, thoughts and beliefs of morality and things are always shifting and changing. Now, what he says, and I agree, is that what had happened in Europe has been moving into America for, for many, many years. And here's what he's driving home in, in this book that I'm telling you about that I agree with. And I think it's what we're seeing playing out on our televisions today is that somewhere here in these most recent years, we've reached a tipping point. We are a nation. Uh, our motto is uh, uh, one nation under God. You know, we, we are a nation that was founded on Christian principles. Our laws are founded on uh, Christian theology. It's founded upon the Word of God. Our, our laws and our morality has been centered in the Word of God. Well, somewhere uh, in our most recent history, our most recent years, there's reached a tipping point. America has shifted. No longer is Christianity the dominant view, but secularism, world, uh, a worldly kind of mindset of whatever man has decided is right, uh, or what is the binding thing has become now the the thing that drives life itself as far as how we live it out and so that's where we are and, I, and I'm asking you this question this morning with that kind of understanding and that kind of, of worldview that that's began to be put into our children and to our grandchildren uh, what does the future look like how do you face that future I mean, it's almost like you and I went to bed one night, woke up the next day, and our whole country has changed in terms of how it sees God, how it sees the Bible, how it sees the church, and how it sees Christianity. Well, how do you face those days? Well, you can face them in one of two ways. You can face it in fear, or you can face it in faith. You see, that's what was before Habakkuk. You see, there was a painful problem. His people had had lost that walk with God. His people had rebelled against God. His people had become idolatrous and God had removed his hand of blessing from them. 
But more than that, God was going to punish them. God was going to take a more wicked people, uh, the Chaldeans, and come in and punish them uh, and chasten them uh, because of their sinfulness. And in chapter 2, he struggles with that. It's not what he's been praying for. Habakkuk's been praying for revival. He's been praying for renewal. He's been praying for things to get better. But things aren't getting better. Things are getting worse. And what God has said is going to take place is going to take place. But when you come to chapter 3, you find Habakkuk making decision. Either I'm going to live by fear or I'm going to live in faith. Either I'm going to trust that God does know best or I'm going to cower and be afraid of what the world is doing. Well, I don't have to tell you, but Habakkuk chooses faith. And what breaks forth in this third chapter is a, is a chapter of phenomenal praise. Uh, I read and I have seen where others have said this may actually be the pinnacle of praise in all of the Bible. Uh, I, I don't know that I would argue with it. It really is uh, a high pinnacle of praise. And I don't know if you can find another place in the Bible where there is such a, a high crest of praise unto God of faith. And the worship that takes place here is absolutely phenomenal. Now if you notice in verse 1, we read that this is a prayer of Rebekah the prophet according to Siganotha. Now, that is a strange word, that Hebrew word, siganoth. What, what is that? What does that mean? And that word is really uh, a very important word. Um, that word in the Hebrew, uh, siganoth, is a word that many have thought meant some unknown musical instrument. But most Bible commentators and most Bible scholars believe that that word is really a Hebrew word. It's not talking about some musical instrument, but is really talking about the feelings that exist within the prophet Habakkuk. Uh, and that the word itself means with deep feelings. In the King James Version, you, you find there in verse 1 that he talks about the word uh, upon uh, uh, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Siganoth. But, uh, for example, the English Standard Version and other versions use the phrase according to. So, basically, here's what the prophet is saying here, I think, and I agree with what most scholars say, according to the deepest feelings. So, in other words, you read it this way, a prayer of Habakkuk according to his most deepest feelings. He is pouring out his heart. He is emptying himself. He is saying, I am absolutely dependent upon God. And so he begins to pour out his heart in this prayer that turns into a song of praise. And what has happened here is a wellspring of joy that has just burst loose. He, Habakkuk is saying, God, you've shown me something. My eyes now are brimming with tears. My lips are bursting with praise. I have seen what I have seen, and what I have seen I know is of you, God, and I give praise to you. Habakkuk was living in the darkest days, and yet in the darkest days he could praise God. I believe we're living in dark days. 
I think these may be some of the darkest days that as a nation and as a people we've known. People have, uh, have already said, you know, that much of what's happened just with the, the, the issue of the COVID brings back the, the, the thoughts and the memories of the Great Depression. And there are very few uh, uh, folks today that, that are still alive that live through that time. But those that I've known in my lifetime have said to me in their testimony that, you know, Chris, there was nothing like that in this world in that day where there was no food to eat and there was no job to be had and there was no money uh, in the bank and, and people were truly despondent and despairing and, 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 and they were at that very lowest possible place emotionally, physically, and spiritually that you could get to. And, and, and history says that, you know, what kind of pulled us out of the Great Depression was, a, was, well, a great war. It took a war to kind of get everything going again uh, and so that uh, the economies of this world will begin to run. That was a, that's how bad it was. And then some have said, you know, they've lived through uh, world wars. They, they've seen the, the days of Pearl Harbor and, and uh, D-Days and those kinds of things. And, and those are certainly dark days. And many have said that, well, the things that we're going through in our days seem just as bleak and just as dark. And now then when we see our cities being ripped apart and, and the very social fabric of our land being uh, uh, torn asunder, we wonder what's to come. You're like me, I'm sure. You know, what's this world going to look like for my, for my grandchildren? I mean, I think about my little granddaughter. You know, she's not a year old. You know, I'm, I, I'm a, you know, none of your business how old I am kind of fella, but uh, I, I've lived my life. I've had a good life. If, if things get tough, I can deal with it. But I want it to be good for my children and my grandchildren. We're living in days, and, and, and my heart gets stressed like your heart gets stressed. And it's the lessons that we can gain here. So what path are you going to walk? Are you going to go down the path of fear, or are you going to go down the path of faith? And let me say that before you say, well, preacher, I ain't worried about it, you know. Uh, you know, I'm man enough to handle what comes. I want to say you need to be careful because everybody's afraid of something. It may be snakes, spiders, disease, financial setbacks, old age, or gray hair, but there's something that makes you a little nervous. And if you look in the Bible, you're going to find there were great men of faith who made mistakes because they moved in fear and not faith. Abraham lied about Sarah out of fear. Jacob dis played fear to Esau. Moses feared Pharaoh and also feared rejection of the people. And the disciples themselves feared the storm, even with Jesus, in the boat. So here's the takeaway. How do we defeat fear? How do we conquer fear? Here's how we do it. Fear is defeated by a focused faith. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get that today. So let me quickly give you three things. The introduction is a lot bigger than the, the three points, but just follow quickly with what I think Habakkuk is telling us here. Number one, a focused faith follows the will of God. Think about what Habakkuk is saying here. He finally gets it. He says, I, God, I've taken my eyes off of the circumstances I've quit looking around at what's going on at the world level, and I'm looking at what's going on in the heavenly level. 
I, I quit looking at what man is up to and I put the focus back on where it belongs. God, on what you are doing, what your plan is, what your purpose is, what your priorities is. Now, folks, I've got real good news for you. We win. Tomorrow's newspaper's already been written. We win. God is victorious. Revelation tells us how everything ends. Revelation tells us there's going to be some hard times that this world's going to endure and go through. But in the end, God wins. And those of God win. We win. Now, does that not change your perspective? Does that not give you encouragement? See, no longer does he wait and, 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 and cry about what he wants. Now he is wanting what God wants. He, he, he's wanting what God's desire is. And his desire is now according to your plan, God. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you really trust God? Have you reached a place in your life where you can say, God, I trust in you? If you're struggling then, just look back and remember how God's worked in your life. That's what he does. Listen to verse 2. Oh, Lord, I have heard the report of you and of your work. Oh, Lord, do I fear? Yeah, he says, I've got, I've got fears. But in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Lord, I'm just going to put my faith and trust in you. And, and when you go through most of chapter 3, it's a review. It, it is, it, it is a, a, a short commentary on the Old Testament. He just goes through all the things that God has already done for the people of God, for the Hebrew people of God. And that little phrase, in the midst, it occurs 273 times in the Scripture but it's only in Habakkuk that it actually refers to time itself. And what he says here is in the midst of the years, he is saying, I'm just kind of redrawing myself and I'm looking at the big picture now and I'm watching this flood of the apocalypse playing out. I'm watching as the years have passed by and I'm watching God where you have done this thing and you've done this and you've done this. And he says, God, my faith is in you. He's praying for mercy. God, in your wrath, be merciful. Lord, I, I'm, I'm going to still pray for your mercy, but Lord, my faith is going to be fixed in you. Now, I want to tell you, you ask me, preacher, where are we at in America as Christians today? Where are we at in America? I think we need to be where Habakkuk's at. I think we need to step back and say, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to depend upon you. We're going to pray for mercy, God as best that we can pray for it, but whatever comes, whatever may be, we're going to trust in you. Do you realize that there are just three alternatives which really loom ahead for us? It was true for Habakkuk. It's true for the people of America. There's only three alternatives, ruin, revival, or rapture. It's really one of those three things. Habakkuk knew that about his people. And he said, God, you've been faithful in the past, you're going to continue to be faithful. Verse 2, he says, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, O Lord. So even in the middle of tough times and dark days, you can renew your remembrance of what God has done and how God is trustworthy. Now, number two, 
A focused faith, remember, that's how we defeat fear. A focused faith isn't just the will of God, it finds the work of God. In verse 3, listen to what Habakkuk says. He says, God came from Teman and on the a holy one from uh, Mount uh, Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. He's reviewing the past. And he goes on and he says, God was at work here. God was at work here. God was at work here. He said, God, we need to find where you are working and we need to get in on it. Wherever you're at work, whatever you're doing, whatever thing is a thing of God, we need to get in on it. You know, one of the simplest remedies to overcoming fear is busyness. Just get busy. Most of the time when we get weighted down by anxiety, when we get weighted down by worry, it's what? Because we're idle. We're sitting around and we're not doing anything. And our heart, our mind begins to play upon us. We begin to think about things that normally we don't think about. We begin to dwell on things that we probably shouldn't dwell on. And fear begins to take hold. Now, today is a hard day to be busy. I agree. It, it, it's, it's a hard time. I mean, we're still trying to practice social distancing. So many businesses are closed. So many people are still at home. People are still kind of self-quarantining themselves. All those kinds of things. We're still struggling at churches to, to get back together. So everything is slowed down. And that is a good recipe for fear to get into the bunk people. But I will say this, that there's somewhere where God is at work today. Somewhere in your life, God is at work, and there's some way that you can get in on the work of God and get busy in the kingdom work. And trust me, it will do wonders for your faith. So a focused faith finds the work of God. And then finally, a focused faith faithfully worships God. Now I'll be the first one to tell you that all of this sounds real good in theory. All this sounds real good except when I turn the television on and there on the scenes of my TV are being played out violence and bloodshed and chaos and craziness. All of a sudden it's hard to worship God. It's hard to worship God when the news is on, isn't it? It's hard to worship God when you pick up the newspaper. It's hard to worship God when you get on Facebook or Twitter and you read this and you read that. And those places can be some very dark places, can't they? So you look back and, 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 and there you are. You say, well, you know, I don't have a job. I'm battling cancer. My, my spouse hasn't returned. Bills aren't being paid. And frankly, I'm scared out of my mind. And you want me to worship, preacher? Listen to what Habakkuk says, verses 17 through 19. This is where he rejoices in the Lord. He says, and there's two words I want you to catch here. The word though and the word yet. Now though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there, no, there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, if, if the bottom falls out, of our economy, if the bottom falls out of our livelihood, if the bottom falls out of life, 
Though that happened, he says, now listen to what he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. And he says, choir master, take this prayer that I've prayed and put it to music. You know, he says, if my standard of living changes, my standard to living won't change. You know, we were a people that came together and worshiped before all this happened. Have you stopped worshiping God because this has happened? Dear friend, if you've stopped worshiping God, what you've allowed then is circumstances to change your standard. You see, no matter what the circumstances are, we're to continue worshiping God. We're called to worship God. As a church and as Christians, we are to worship God whether we're here or whether we're not. It doesn't matter if the stock market tumbles. It doesn't matter if the supermarket shelves are empty. It doesn't matter if we don't have any money to buy anything. It doesn't matter if we lose our job. It doesn't matter if uh, the, the, the Chinese or the Russian are at the doorsteps. It doesn't matter if, if, the, if our nation looks like it's going to split wide in two. There is still a God on the throne of heaven and it's still in His hands. And praise be unto the God of heaven and earth who we worship. The Bible says that in all ways and in all times and in all things we are to praise our Lord. In Him do we put our hope. Yet I will rejoice in the joy of the God who is the God of my salvation. My joy is in the Lord. So there's a path before you this morning. The path of fear or the path of faith. Which one are you going to take? Habakkuk had to make a choice. And he said you know what? I'm going to take the path of faith. And not be afraid. Now let me tell you something. Even though he took that path. Don't think that things. All of a sudden became easy. The invaders. They came. The people. They suffered. His life. His nation turned upside down and inside out and ripped apart. It was still a hard thing. But for Habakkuk, God was still on the throne. Will you praise God when you lose everything? Will you praise God when your future looks dark? When your family is struggling? When you think all is lost? You can. You can praise God for who He is, not just what He does. You can praise God for what He has done and what he has promised to do. When it comes down to it, what do we have? What do we have? God. That's all we really have. Verse 19, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places, Rebecca said. There's one more thing I want you to think about as we close. You know the the higher you go, the safer you are. That's why no matter how high up the mountains you go, you'll see deer. They know it. The higher they go, the safer they are. You see, fear sees the difficulties. Fears see the problems. Fear sees the disappointment. But faith, 
Faith, you see, sees the strong hand of God's promise. Faith sees the providential hand of God. Faith sees the plan of God. And when one thing in mind comes to to be afraid, instead choose faith. Faith that says when times are tough, I'm not going to be taken lower, but no, I'm going to be taken higher and rely on God. Either you're going to be bitter or you're going to let the tough times make you better. And the key is trusting God, being faithful and committed in faith to God, no matter what may come. Our gracious Heavenly Father, maybe someone's today is sitting there and they've listened to the message and they said, you know, my whole world has been falling apart. Fear has wrecked my mind and my heart. I fear for my family. I fear for my children. I fear for my grandchildren. And Lord, today I'm going to lift, I'm going to lift my eyes off of the circumstances and put them on you, God, and trust in your strong hand to save. You are my salvation. And even if life slays me, I will not quit trusting in you. I'm not going to let Satan, I'm not going to let this world rob me of the peace that you give me, God. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace even in tough and troublesome times. God, maybe there's someone today that's been listening to the message and they said, well, I want that peace. I I want that, that hope. And what's missing is a relationship with you, God. There can be no peace of God until there is peace with God. And perhaps that one who's there today listening to the message and praying in this prayer with us, says, Jesus, I need for you to save me. I need to establish peace with you, God, for I'm a sinner and I am am cut off from you. And I know that I can't have what you can give until I come to you and surrender all that is me. And so today, that one is there. They're praying this prayer. Jesus I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I confess my sin and I give it to you, Jesus. And I trust in the promise of your word that at this prayer of my heart and this prayer on my lips, that according to your word and promise, you save me because I've asked you to. Now, Jesus, let that peace that you give flood that heart and tell that loved one Tell that brother or sister that we are all in your hands. And what a good and gracious and loving God we have. And in you, Heavenly Father, we can trust. It's our prayer today. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.